0: Welcome back, my friend, and welcome to episode 28 of this Bible study podcast series, Reading Through the Gospel of Luke. I'm so glad that you are here with me again today as we have kind of a shorter section of reading, the second half of chapter 13, we got verses 22 through 35, so hopefully this will be relatively concise, but still plenty of important details for our story as we read through today. So let's do it. Let's begin in prayer. Come Holy Spirit, open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. He passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and say, Lord, open the door for us. And he will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, "'We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets.' Then he will say to you, "'I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers.' And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west, and from the north and the south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some who are last will be first some who are first will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to him and said, Go away, leave this area, because Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons, and I perform healings today and tomorrow, and on the third day I accomplish my purpose. Yet I must continue on my way, today, tomorrow, and the following day, for it is impossible that a prophet should die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how many times I yearned to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were unwilling. Behold, your house will be abandoned. But I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so Jesus is still on his way uh, on the journey towards Jerusalem, kind of just traveling through towns and villages as a traveling preacher, essentially, is what we find Jesus in these these chapters we've been reading through recently. And the question that is asked to start our section today is, Lord, will only a few people be saved? I think an important question, really fair question. Jesus kind of answers um, kind of yes, um, but he, what he says is, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many people will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Essentially what Jesus is saying about in response, this question of like, will only a few people be saved? Jesus' response is entrance to the kingdom is difficult. Like it requires some legit effort. And he says that it's this narrow way. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus and to enter into the kingdom of God is is difficult, requires some effort. And his answer is that the truth is many will not be able. <laughs> that there are some who will not be able, not be strong enough, not be able to be a disciple of Jesus to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say most, that most will not be able or that all will not be able. He says many which I think still provides us great hope that the kingdom is certainly available. And we'll say more about that. But he does say that it's difficult and that it will require some effort and that some may not be able. And Jesus says, after the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking. I think just that that one phrase in there that, start, that stands out is when he locked the door. Kind of indicating that there's limited time here, which I think for us is our earthly life, that we only have so much time here on earth uh, to strive for the kingdom, to choose to follow Christ, to choose to be his disciple, and to try to walk this narrow way to to achieve heaven, to achieve the kingdom, uh, to to enter into that, that narrow door. Um, and what Jesus says is that what what the people may say because he, he promises this reality that some may be locked out and he says that what we may say to try to convince is, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets, but that is apparently not enough because I think essentially what that is talking about is proximity. Like we ate and drank in your company, you taught in our streets, You are close to us. You are proximate to us. We at least heard of you, Jesus. But proximity is not enough. Proximity to Jesus, awareness of Jesus is not enough. What he desires is real relationship in discipleship. That's what's required for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Discipleship with Jesus, to really know him and to love him and to have relationship with him. Because if we don't, that response, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, you evildoers. That's that's tough. No one wants to hear that. I'll say, well, one, uh, that Jesus, as per usual, Jesus likes to quote the Old Testament. Um, so that line, depart from me, all you evildoers, is a quote from the Psalms, Psalm 6, verse 9. Depart from me, all you evildoers. Uh, but in a in a real way for us, what this is is that this is this is real. That what Jesus is saying to us is real here, and he describes that if we don't walk walk through this narrow door, walk this narrow way to the kingdom, he says there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. He describes essentially two different places: the possibility of the kingdom or possibility of torment, wailing and grinding and gnashing of teeth for those cast out. Jesus says hell is real. This is the reality for us. If we read the scriptures, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like This is is legit that Jesus is talking about that there is the possibility that if we don't walk this narrow way, that hell is a real possibility of torment for us. But Jesus says, essentially, I think that we, we shouldn't despair as we hear this because what he says is that the people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south to dine and recline and, and eat at the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, which is totally consistent with what we've been reading about the role of the Messiah, this theme in Luke of Jesus gathering together all nations to the kingdom. And this has been prophesied about. Uh, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 9, he says, "I'm God says, I'm going to rescue my people from the land of the rising sun and from the land of the setting sun, um, from, from the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I'm going to rescue my people from the land of the rising sun and the setting sun, and I will bring them back to dwell within Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be their God. the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 5 through 6, God says, Fear not, for I am with you. From the east I will bring back your offspring. From the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them. This is part of what God does and what, what the role of the Messiah is, to bring together all his people from all over, from all four corners, uh, into the kingdom, to gather into the kingdom. But what this implies is not just the Israelites, but the Gentiles too. That again, we've seen this in in the theme of Luke's gospel, of Jesus' mission to the Gentiles, to bring all people together, all people, all of God's children together into the kingdom. And Jesus says, some who are last will be first, and some are first who will be last. That even the people who think they haven't made, maybe like the Pharisees in our story, some of them, by the intention of their hearts, may not be walking this narrow way. But maybe some of the Gentiles, people we've seen before, like this the Roman centurion, a Gentile who has great faith, he may be one who walks this narrow way to get to the kingdom. But what this, what this truth means for us is that, one, first of all, that the kingdom is open to all. This promise of heaven from Jesus is open to all, but it will be difficult. (laughs) It will require some effort. And in our limited timeline that we have here on earth, Jesus says, he says this, it's written here in the Bible, some will not be strong enough. And that there's a reality of hell and torment waiting as the alternative if we don't walk this narrow way. So my friends, we need to encourage each other and to read this good word and uh, and to do our best to build each other up in prayer so that we can walk this narrow way together because it is difficult and we can't do it alone and we need this good word and we need God's grace uh, to, walk, to walk this walk well and to do this journey together well to achieve the kingdom and the hope of heaven that Jesus has promised us. But that's, that's part of part of our reading today which is like could be a really tough message or could be an encouraging message for us uh, as we as we strive for the kingdom but it goes on and what we have next is a, a Pharisee along the way telling Jesus that that Herod wants to kill him now we've seen Herod a little bit before a few chapters back saying that he was intrigued about Jesus about who who might this guy be that I've heard some things about and now the Pharisees say, whether, whether they actually mean it or not, or if they're just trying to like get in Jesus' head, they say, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus, with a savage response, says, go and tell that fox. How's Herod, that fox? Okay, Jesus, he says, go and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons, I perform healings, and I do it today and tomorrow, and on the third day I accomplish my purpose. Essentially what Jesus says is, I'm going to do my thing today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and you can't stop me, and Herod can't stop me, and I don't care, because I'm going to continue to accomplish my purpose. Go, Jesus. And he says, I must continue on my way. I must continue to do this. But then he says, for it is impossible that a prophet should die outside of Jerusalem. The tone begins to get a little somber here, as kind of what it seems... Jesus says, Herod, Herod can't stop me until I get to Jerusalem. And whether Jesus is implying that maybe, maybe as we read through this, if we don't know the story, like, oh, is Herod is Herod going to have his way? Is Herod going to kill Jesus when he gets to Jerusalem, or not? I think the implication is Jerusalem appears now by the words of Jesus to be the city of destiny that Jesus' destination, as he's traveling for Jerusalem, he's set his sights on Jerusalem, that when he gets there, something's going to happen. And as Jesus has prophesied that he's going to be betrayed over to men and be killed, that Jerusalem is the place where this will happen. Uh, so we, as we look forward in our story, we'll find, as Jesus has just said, that this Jerusalem is the city of destiny. And then we have Ju- Jesus lamenting over the city of Jerusalem. And what we find here in these last two verses that we read, 34 and 35, uh, is, I think, really a revelation of the heart of God. God's heartbreak for his children. Jesus says, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Essentially saying that Jerusalem, uh, like the heart of the Jewish people, they've rejected God's attempts to connect with them. They rejected the prophets and those those sent by God and maybe they'll continue to do so in Jesus as we read along. But Jesus says, "How many times I yearned to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings." Now, let's take a step back because Jesus has only been around for a little while, right? Jesus as a person on the earth uh, as a human being, him saying, "How many times I yearned to gather your children together." Like this seems this seems a little bold for Jesus to say as just a just a human being. This is really truly, I think, Jesus speaking with the heart of God the Father. like Jesus is divi- Jesus divinity speaking through here, that this is the, the heart of God the Father speaking. how many times I yearned to gather your children, my children, together as a hen gathers her own brood under her wings. This is God's deep desire to have his children together. But Jesus says, but you were unwilling. That they've rejected this invitation, this desire of God. They've rejected God's invitation, has sent people by sin, by turning away from him. And Jesus here reveals the longing of the Father's heart to be reunited, to gather his children together. But they've sinned. And so because God is a just God, Jesus says, behold, your house will be abandoned, which is again kind of a, a somber tone here, uh, kind of a, a matter of woe to Jerusalem. But we've heard we've heard this before. God said this in First uh, Kings chapter nine, verses six through eight. It says this: But if ever you and your descendants turn from following me fail to keep my commandments and statutes which I set before you and proceed to serve other gods and bow down to them, I will cut off Israel from the land I gave them and repudiate the house I have consecrated for my name. And this house shall become a heap of ruins. So God warned, God warned because he's a just God that this would happen if they turned away from God and Not only have we seen this, God warning this here, but through the prophet Jeremiah, he prophesied that this, what Jesus is talking about, would take place. Jeremiah chapter 12 says this, I have abandoned my house. God says, I have abandoned my house, cast off my heritage, the beloved of my soul. I have delivered into the hand of her foes. I will uproot them from their land. But it goes on and God says this, and this is, this is so good. God says, but after uprooting them, I will have compassion on them and again bring them back, each to their heritage, each to their land. Isn't that incredible? What we see here in the prophet Jeremiah chapter 12 and what Jesus is referring to right here in his lament over Jerusalem is that God in his justice, because of Jerusalem's sin, They've deserved a just punishment, and God will deal out this punishment on his people because he's a just God. But in his mercy, in the the longing of the heart of God the Father, in his mercy, it says, I will have compassion on them and again bring them back. In his mercy, he will give redemption after the punishment because he's a good God. When Jesus says, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That when this takes place, we will see later on, this begins when the people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If we've read the story before, we recognize those words from Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The people say, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus arrives to Jerusalem, as he's just said, that Jerusalem is the city of destiny where something will take place, where Jesus will die. And we'll read about this story as we continue on, that this is, Jerusalem is the city of destiny where Jesus is killed. And in the moment when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, God will be bringing about this just punishment on Jerusalem for their sin. They will begin then. But this is so incredible that what we find in the death, the crucifixion of Jesus is God using that sin, using the sin, the turning away of his people in Jesus, in Jesus taking on and bearing the sins of all the people on the cross. And he uses that The very sin of the people, the very thing that they deserve punishment for, God uses that as the means for their redemption via the cross. That's the, oh my gosh, that's the power of the mercy of God the Father, who in his desperate longing desires to be reunited and redeem his people, but needs to give them a just punishment. So he will punish them for his sin, but through their punishment and by their sin, he will take their sin and and put it all on his son Jesus Christ in the crucifixion and use that crucifixion, Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection, as the means for their redemption. That's so incredible. This is such a great story. The longing of the Father's heart. And this is the message for us, I think, is as we want to close off this episode with this. That the longing of the Father's heart, as Jesus speaks this to the people here, the longing of the Father's heart is to give mercy and redemption to his lost children. That a just God will, will give punishment as we turn away, but the longing of his heart, what he so desires, is to show us mercy and to redeem us so that we can come back and be gathered together in his arms as his children, as his beloved. And that is a good God, and this is a great story, and this is incredible good news, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today to read through it. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.